Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Game Time Decisions. Game, game Time Decisions, Red Heat and Rage Radio. I am Gabriel Morency. The Raging Redhead, Cam Sturt. On the bench today, late replacement, the King, Scott Engel. We appreciate the King uh, stepping up, a friend and a colleague. Of course, the Hall of Famer, uh, the King, Sean Engel. As uh, real life, once again, uh, catches up to uh, Cam, Cam's girlfriend, uh, having a tough time as of late. Of course, her sister her, uh, uh, her sister passed away um, last month, uh, about a month and a half ago or so, and uh, now I believe uh, her parents um, now having some health issues, so uh, Cam is tending to business. Uh, we offer our prayers and our best uh, our best wishes uh, to uh, to Cam and his girlfriend uh, today. Um, Scott Angle steps up and in. Scott, it's always a pleasure. How you doing? I'm doing good. You know, of course, thoughts and prayers uh, with Cam. You know, like you said. Uh, you know, I hope. Uh, you know, I don't know what else to say except you know I'm thinking about the guy and I feel for him. Uh, you know, my. Uh, as for being with you, you know, it's like uh, usually around this time, you know, I'm working on an article and, you know, listen to Judge Judy in the background. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I like you better than Judge Judy. And there's not more many more entertaining people than Judge Judy, but I think you're one of them. And I, I'm glad to fill in for my fellow Seahawks fan. Yeah, she's uh, – Judge Judy don't play around, man. I'm no, she doesn't. Su- yeah, I'm I can imagine surprised. cut Corey in the Judge Judy's courtroom and him, him trying to say, well, look, Judge Judy, like, bop, 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 bop. I don't want to hear no, it. No, no. Yeah, yeah. They, they would clash. They would clash. Yeah. You know what's crazy, actually? And I don't know if this this is not a good sign, but this is a true story is that uh, so okay, years ago, it's probably about, it's been years now. It's probably about 10 years ago or so. Uh, you know, give, give or take a year. Maybe eight years, 10 years, whatever. It was a Seattle Seahawks game. I don't know if you remember, the Seahawks opened up uh, the season once at Buffalo in the last, like, 10 years or so. Uh, I think Hasselbeck was still the quarterback, actually. And Buffalo beat them, but uh, but anyways, um, I got um, I got arrested at the game um, for for going to the bathroom. Like uh, it was halftime, and the facilities in the, in Buffalo, uh, Scott, they're not the greatest, right? Very very old. It's nasty and stuff. They got the trough. Like they don't have stalls or anything. And oh, you know, anyone has been in a yeah anyone has been in a bathroom in a Buffalo Bill game knows it's not it's not very uh, it's not the uh, it's not the funnest place to be. I really had to go. I was drinking a lot. And, you know, there was massive lines, too. So, basically, you know, I was in the end zone. And that's, you know, this, it's not a nice stadium. So, basically, there's no, it's not a nice stadium. So, you basically leave the stadium. And there's just this fence, just a basic fence. And then there's the parking lot. So, basically, long story short, Scott, I went over towards the fence. And there was a tree. And uh, I took a leak on the tree. Like a lot of other people were doing, except 
like a lot of other people, they had like a um, they had like a, a trap going on, like basically. So how do they trap you, would, you doing that? You would go over. Well, it's hard to describe. Top but on the, the tree or something? Yes, yes. They were hiding behind this 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 like bushy bushy area, and one by one, people were making a leak and they were busting them. Except I was too drunk and stupid, so I walked right into it. I took a leak and then boom, I got detained. So I thought I was going to get count. Uh, you know, I was like, I was right near the entrance too. So it's basically, you know, sort of like MetLife Stadium. You know, when you're not really in the stadium, you're sort of half in the parking lot in the stadium. So I was right near the entrance. So I thought, oh, all right, my big, big security guy comes over and he grabs me. And I think, all right, he's just going to sort of push me outside the door here. And first thing I thought, dude, I buddies that were watching a game, like during the game, tailgating, that didn't go in. So I was like, ah, oh, whatever. I'll just watch the rest of the game out here. No, 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 no. The guy grabbed me and stuff. And then he handcuffed me. And I realized it was real. So I can go on and on as far as that is concerned. But I got charged. Like, it wasn't just a fine. Like, I had to go to court. And the whole nine yards, now they dropped it in the end. Uh, but I had to get a lawyer. So uh, I got a lawyer in Buffalo. And his name was Carl Miles. And, um, you know, so anyways, the, the charges were dropped. Um, you know, I got basically they said, listen, don't uh, don't take a piss in Buffalo for six months. And this never happened. So Was it, did I, that we, apply to all urination or just outdoor? Yeah, just uh, just outdoors. I actually got charged with exposure, but not not indecent wow. exposure, not indecent. Just just the exposure part. Well, I, <laughs> guess, like I a, guess you could take that as a compliment, though. If they're yeah, you yeah. For exposure. I mean. If you had nothing to show, mean, exactly. You get charged, it means I right? was. I means I was packing something, obviously, right? I mean, <laughs> so <laughs> I know, man. I was just glad I wasn't on like the you know, the, the indecent exposure list. That's not good. Do you know? Do you so, know that uh, that in 1984-85, that Don Mattingly and Dale Barra got arrested for public u- urination? They did. Yes. <laughs> Dale Barra, Yogi Barra, did, of course. Yeah. And Don, Donnie Baseball, eh? where where did they get popped? Like outside a bar? <laughs> I think it was somewhere in Pittsburgh. It's my memory's like like vague on that though. I remember it was a big story in the New York papers though. It's uh yeah. There's always it's fun when game goes to you a gotta go. game. Yeah. I I I you know I had never like sat thought about sat down and watching somebody at a football game on video. But at a periscope at MetLife Stadium. Oh was, yeah, like, the most entertaining <laughs> things I've seen the last few months. That's what everybody said in the stands. When I stopped it, they were like, damn, man, how come you stopped? You're more entertaining than the game. <laughs> I had the whole section going. So, so, so get this. So get this. Uh, I got a lawyer, and uh, he did a good job. He was a little out there, but he did a good job. So somebody sent me a clip. My lawyer was on Judge Judy. Really? My lawyer got taken to court on Judge Judy because <laughs> somebody, somebody claimed Somebody claimed that they felt he was drunk and maybe high when he represented them. So it wow. sounds like it's fitting they would be my guy. So for the record, Judge Judy sided with my attorney. And, like, you can't, you can't make that up. Like, you know, no, you, and of all the names in the book, I pick a guy that somehow gets sued on Judge Judy, and uh, he won. And you can't make this up. I know a dude in Vegas who I used to do, like, radio shows with, Jorge Gonzalez, and he got sued. And they agreed to do it on Judge Joe Brown. And same thing. My buddy won the case. And I don't want him to sue me, but I'm going to say that he's freaking lucky that Judge Joe Brown bought it. (laughs) Yeah. I wonder uh, about your lawyer when he went on Judge Judy. He probably, like, you know, watched the show. But being a lawyer, 
you realize there are so many people that go on there and they just run their mouth and she just wants to hear the information. You see, you got you got to be careful about how you approach. She's like, ah, ah, well, I, she, I don't want to hear that. You know, no, no, like, exactly. Yeah. She's already got her mind made up. Yeah. And it's the same thing. It's the same thing with like Judge Joe Brown. They don't have enough really time. Don't watch like you said, yeah. they've got like eight minutes. So basically, the you know Judge Judy or Judge Joe Brown, she already knows like which way she's going on this. And it's funny, like my buddy told me that Judge Joe Brown was basically a jerk to like the other, the other side of the room before it even started, and he knew right really? away. I don't watch yeah. Judge Joe Brown. It's like you know, it's like all of a sudden since I started working home regularly, like you know, the last six months or so. I'm like hooked on Judge Judy, and you know now my wife has also shown me her spinoff show, Hot Bench. You know, which I catch once in a while. <laughs> Hot Bench. Well, yeah. that's that's that what sounds, uh, that sounds more like a like a like a pornographic version of Judge Judy, right? Like a, it one does. Of those, or one uh, of those pornographic takes off takeoffs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One of the, the parody. When you go through the Channel Guide, you know that's what you see. Yeah, yeah. Joe Lisi was actually. I do. There's a promo on our station. Joe Lisi was actually asking about a parody, some Batman parody porn movie. Yeah, Joe was like disappointed by the script. He's like, you know, the ending didn't make sense. <laughs> I don't want to digress too much, Gabe, but I have to ask you something. Not how many areas with you? Did you see my tweet about you last week? No, no. What you? What was it? I I was watching uh, the NLCS, and they interviewed Eric Kratz of the Brewers. Yeah. And I'm like, wow, Eric Kratz of the Brewers looks like Gabe with a baseball hat on. Take a look <laughs> I at his check it out. Yeah. <laughs> well, I've gotten a Brett Gardner thing quite often recently. I, I've I, also I, gotten... know, I know Brett. He's a friend of mine. I don't quite see it. Google Eric Kratz, you or anybody that's listening. I, I think Eric Kratz look, looks a lot like you. <laughs> I, I He's will. one of I'll our beautiful bald brothers like me, you, you know, something like yeah, that. Yeah. You know, oh, yeah, here he is. Here he is. Oh, you're talking about, yeah, the old catcher dude that finally made it yeah. after all the years. Yeah. 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 <laughs> he looks like you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I get Moby, Mr. Clean, Vin Diesel. Uh, I, I, I get it all. So, yeah, speaking of Vin hot Diesel, benches. That's a good one. Yeah, speaking of hot benches. Um, it's also it's a good segue into the World Series right now. Um, you know, Corey Parson, Corey Parson, like, is very anti this World Series that – I think he's trying to troll me because he knows I'm a Dodger fan, and he's uh, keeps talking about how he's going to be a sweep. Uh, you know, I know they're down to nothing right now, but the Dodgers are a resilient baseball team. I think they're screwed. I, I don't see how they're going to win four of the next five games. Uh, but I, you know, they're a resilient team. They will be a different team uh, back home, and it wasn't that cold. I, I guess it was 43 degrees. Yet, you know, the Dodgers are starting used to it. Clayton Kershaw's only pitched once in his career in temperatures under 50 degrees. And, you know, not to use it as an excuse, and the Dodgers weren't making excuses. The Red Sox were the better team, but to a man, most of the Dodger players were talking about how the weather was uncomfortable. Like the, the Dodgers bullpen, <clears throat> the Dodgers bullpen, they were saying that they had a hard time warming up. They had space heaters, but it wasn't good. I mean, they're freaking wusses. I'm not going to dispute this, but yeah. whether they're wusses or not doesn't matter. In their mind, when they get back to Los Angeles, they're going to be more comfortable. And I get that Roberts was playing the percentages with the righty-lefty type stuff, but, man, he left some pretty good players on the bench in the first two, couple of games, Scott. Yeah, well, first off, you know, I don't understand. I know Corey hates the Red Sox, but I don't understand why he has anything against the Dodgers at all. It's, I, I guess that's his thing, just to hate other high-profile teams. 
because there's no rivalry between the Yankees and the Dodgers. There hasn't been one since the 50s, but Yankee fans love to, you know, talk about the 50s and the 60s like they were Yeah, they're there, stuck in know, the past. 27 yeah, exactly. World Championships. I mean, you know, the curse of the Bambino was broken in 2004, and now the Red Sox and the American League's premier team. And they certainly, uh, they certainly played like it. I don't want to hear anything about weather, really. You know, number one, you say they're wusses. You never hear football guys complaining about weather at all, you know, whether it's too hot, too cold, whatever. But Let's Sam Darnold did have a problem this past week, and, you know, it wasn't that cold either. He threw it to double did. coverage, and I don't care what the weather was. No, I know, I know, but you saw him. He was all cold on the bench, and he yeah, had all the layers on. Baseball it's not players even playing. First off, this is the World Series. You know, it's October. What do you expect? Second off, Clayton Roberts. I know, but even the manager said, other than a couple of nights in San Francisco where it does get windy, other than a couple of nights in San Francisco, our guys have never been in anything like this. And like you said, it's not like you guys were playing in snow. I mean, you remember, Scott, we've had some freaking cold World Series games before. Whether global warming is real or not, it's just warmer right now. It's not that cold. It's it's not that cold out there. Ultimately, look, I'm not the one playing the game, but you know, I kind of I kind of get skeptical on it because a you're a professional, you're getting paid a ton of money to do this. B it's the World Series, you know it's going to be cold. Kershaw has you know, what was it like the tenth time like he'd given up five or more runs in a postseason games. I forgot the stats. So even when the weather's warm in the playoffs, sometimes he's yeah. been bad. You know, so there's that. You know, there, there's always cold in April, etc. You know, and it's not like all these guys haven't played in cold conditions before. Justin Turner's played in New York. Uh, Manny Machado's played in Baltimore. Baltimore. Yeah, yeah, listen, you know, Scott, if you want to win a World Series. You better be able to play in forty degree temperatures. Like it's yeah. pretty simple. This, this is like, baseball players, though. It's you, not the Caribbean you got a point World about Series. being a wuss, though, because baseball players always come up with something that like to complain about. You know, as much as I respect them, I will never forget the best. I heard in the yeah, early they sort 90s, of are Scott. They sort the, of in the are early nineties. Like is the best story we talked about this athletes. last time. Like Wally Joyner was talking to a reporter before a game. He gestured and he scratched his eyeball, and then he was out out for that night. <laughs> that's a baseball player. Yeah, Wally Joyner. Well, that's it. How many how many cold weather games did you see Puig played in? But I don't know, man. I see girls jogging in shorts all the time in colder weather than what they played in. When I was first dating my wife, we went to a game at Chase Stadium, and I had the mentality back then because I was raised by my dad to stay the last out no matter what the weather is. It was a cold night in April, very, very cold with wind swirling at Chase Stadium, and I made her stay to the last out against the San Francisco Giants. We were playing Bonds. And, like, my wife's like, I almost broke up with you right there. <laughs> Sean, we got Sean Engel if, uh, in for if, the Rage if, if, if I could take it. Actually, uh, Scott Engel, you know, if you want to talk oh, Scott, NASCAR, uh, yeah, no, I, I could go get Sean Engel in the other room if you like. I'm uh, Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm confused because we deal with, we deal with uh, the, the father and son tandem daily here. Yeah, uh, but today's our boy Yang. Our boy Yang's in. Yeah, I never Yang's, used to Yang's get... not related to me, but he's a nice guy. Yeah, no, you can. Well, he if he was through. related to me, his name might be Yangle. Yeah. <laughs> well, he looks. He could. He could say he looks a little more like you than uh, than Sean does. Uh, uh, does actually. really? Yeah. You've met <laughs> Yang before. <laughs> I've met Yang before. I don't know. Uh, you know, maybe back to live action, fellas. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, you know what? Not, not to get confused, I'm just going to call you Angle from now on, as, as we move forward uh, throughout the program. We're going to count on Angle's uh, fantasy football knowledge here. Uh, we got some DFS action uh, tonight. All right, uh, don't forget, Yang, we got to heavy up uh, the music. Too much Bon Jovi this week. Did you know that you can listen to this show live on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network? Listen on the iHeartRadio app, the TuneIn Radio app, or download the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network is the only totally free, 24-7, 365 Fantasy Sports Network of its kind without a subscription. Check out YouTube Live on the Fantasy Sports Network YouTube page and participate in the program in there where you can ask questions, discuss the topics with other fantasy enthusiasts, or tell everyone that you disagree. Call into your favorite show and ask your question. The number is 844-84-FNTSY. That's 844-843-6879. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network, your free fantasy source, 24 hours a day. That's a little heavier, but we're going to have to work heavier, yet. No, come on, Gabe. You're going to like this. I played this just for you. This is the new Ace Fraley jam. Oh, no, I like it. I, yeah. You know what? I thought uh, I thought of you, and I thought we were going to have to play some kids, but I'm just telling Yang to get get the Slayer and Pantera going. Our, our, What's our wrong listeners with Bon Jovi? I don't, I don't have a problem with Bon Jovi, but we played him too much. It started as like, a really? joke. I wanted to hear, yeah, I wanted to hear the song Runaway. I said, oh, play the song yeah, Runaway. That's a good one. His first, his first hit, right? That was his, yeah. That's the coming out she's song. She's a little runaway. Yeah, I love that. Exactly. Daddy's yeah. girl. And she said. So I was telling Cam, yeah. I saw I saw Bon Jovi open up for Judas Priest. Like, and that was his song. Wow. I was like, that a long time I could ago. sort of tell. Yeah, I was like, yeah, this guy's probably going to be pretty big. Wasn't my thing, but he's going to be pretty big. But I like the sound of that new Ace Freely. And, you know, I was just at the Guitar Center on uh, 44th. And, you know, yeah. it's a big uh, big music store, and they actually have – I took a picture of it. I, I could put it on Twitter here for you right now. I took a picture. They have an autographed Ace Freely uh, Les Paul in glass that rotates and spins around. I took a picture of it. Damn nice guitar. That's in 44th uh, Guitar Center. I have to yeah, check it yeah. out. I actually went to the listening party for his new album, Spaceman, uh, last Thursday downtown really? near Bleecker Bleak- Street. Wow, uh, was it uh, it was Electric Bowery Electric. And uh, I got a, like a personalized autograph replica of the album cover, which is really cool. That's great to hear that he's yeah. doing well and he's putting out new records. How's he look? Is, is he doing good? Yeah, he's look, doing good. He's like uh, 10 years sober. Uh, you know, he recently toured with Gene Simmons. Uh, you know, he hasn't been in Kiss since 2001, but he's put out four albums in, in the last decade. And I'm, I'm really enjoying this new one. Yeah, I've always, to me personally, I, you know, I'm a guitarist too, but I've always, he was always my favorite one. Yeah. Like when I was a kid, I had the, uh, you know, I got the A solo record first. You oh, know what I mean? I had 78 the... one. Yes. It's like, and you, you, you as a guitarist, like Fractured Mirror was like a great song. And, you know, if you like his stuff, like the new album's like really, really good. It's, it's really cut from a classic Ace fabric. Well, listen, a lot of people think of Kiss as a gimmick band, right? Or they're, they're not good musicians. Yet Ace writes a great song. You know, the, most of their songs are good and catchy, et cetera, but... You know, Ace, Ace, to me, just sort of brought the musicianship, right? Gene's a showman. Uh, Paul Stanley's a great singer. But, you know, to me, and, you know, Peter Chris is, you know, Peter Chris wrote Beth. I mean, you got to give him that. But to me, Ace was sort of the credible musician of the band all the time. Uh, you know what people saying that they, 
you know, that they're not good musicians and stuff like that. They can't get past the image. To me, why I love them so much, but I'm far more fanatical than anybody else is. To me, it's great music and a great show. Great music to me, music is all subjective uh, anyway, but to me, great music is, you know, if you enjoy it and you think it's outstanding, you know, it doesn't matter what any, what anybody else says. And with all the albums that they've sold in the Hall of Fame, they got to be doing something right. But, you know, Gene and Paul are very prolific songwriters, and Peter Chris in his prime was a terrific drummer. But actually, you know, he, he actually didn't write the song. It was, uh, you know, it was like a former bandmate of his, and he came up with the melody. Oh, see, yeah. well, the good good artists uh, borrow, great artists steal, right? <laughs> that's the way. No, he didn't steal way, it, yeah. but uh, yeah. you know, it was it was you know he put the song together, but he didn't actually write the lyrics. But he was part of the he was part of the process. But that's the most important song in band history. They, you know, they the their album was starting to tank, and you know when they started playing that, you know, all of a sudden they turned around and they got a national TV and everything, and that was the most pivotal song in their history. Yeah, it goes to show the commercial stuff always wins. I remember reading an interview with Ace Frehley, and uh, he said he hated he hated the Dynasty record, and he hated I Was Made for Loving You. He was like, and basically he was like, you know, it was rock bottom. <laughs> he was like, yeah, he was like, it's terrible. It was rock bottom. He goes, I was I threatened to quit, and he goes, I you know what it was F and disco, and then he goes, about six months later, I got the first royalty check. <laughs> He said, yeah. "He said I basically called Paul and said, yeah, hey, uh, when are we writing? Uh, when are we writing the second? I was made for loving you.' Like, I had no problem uh, with it when he came out. That it was funny. That, it's a, just funny how money changes everything. Like even Ace admitted yeah. he goes, I hated it, but he goes, when the checks started coming in, it started to. He goes, I start my opinion started to change about the song. <laughs> yeah, I, I I liked it when it came out because I wasn't one of those kids who like hated disco and." I just enjoyed it a lot, but Dee Snyder said it was like it was like the Hulk putting on pink, pink tights. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I don't know if you remember the first time uh, you saw Kiss. For me, it actually was the Dynasty tour. Um, I missed out. Yeah, I missed out on the um, on the the live tour, the one before. So. Or two years before, whatever. And I was young. I was in a Kiss big time when I was a kid, Scott. And my parents were into music, so I was going to shows young. So I remember, like, crying when I was a kid, like, eight years old. My mother couldn't get me Kiss tickets. It was sold out. Or, you know, the the, the Alive tour. And um, and she said, I promise next time, show me that they'll come back. They'll come back. And then they did pretty quickly with Dynasty. And I guess I was 10 years old. Was it 1980? So I was 10 years old. Yeah, so I was nine years old, 1979. So I was born in 70. So that's when I saw them first, and they came through the floor and the four things. That oh, came yeah, through. yeah, yeah. I have a DVD of one of those tours, yeah, when they came yeah, through the so floor. Yeah, so that was yeah. the first one I saw. I saw them on the um, – I saw them on uh, – uh, I want to hear it loud. Uh, oh, Creatures of the that, Night. Yeah. Creatures of the Night, they had makeup on, but it wasn't the original artist anymore. Yeah, Vinnie Vincent and uh, Eric Carr. Yeah, and then I saw the Lick It Up tour, which was their first one without the makeup. Yep. And then yep. I saw the Creatures of the Night one was good, actually. It was pretty good. It was a good show. You got uh, lucky because, you know, God, God bless her. She was just trying to protect me at the time, but... My mother thought Kiss was Satan worshippers, and I've been a fanatic of oh, fans. Yeah. So you were too young the, to see them at the time? Yeah, on the Paul Lynn <laughs> Halloween special in 76. 
I've been fanatical ever since that day. Uh, I didn't actually like – I worked as a vendor at Madison Square Garden in 1985 on the Asylum Tour. Got to see Soundcheck. But once I started like you know getting old enough and out of the house and stuff like that, it's like I, I've seen them countless times. Like my first time was on the Revenge Tour in a club like at a release party at the, up on 54th Street. The Ritz is not there anymore. I've seen them about yeah, yeah. 19 times since and I've seen about – 17 Ace Fraley solo shows. I uh, think cool. all solo. And last year I saw Peter Chris's farewell show. It was fantastic. I think the most times I've seen them on one tour in 2000, the fail tour, I saw them six times in one tour on three back to back night sets. Now, I, remember, um, I remember seeing them the last time I saw Kiss was on their reunion with Peter. Yeah. Re- re- probably around 2000, 2001 ish, 2002 ish. Was it 1996, that one? Yeah, 2000 was the farewell tour. Okay, all right. So, yeah, it must have been. Uh, yeah, so it's really the farewell tour. Yeah, exactly. Like, we got played. Yeah. <laughs> we got, well, they're we, doing we another tour played. now. It's the, they got the final tour, calling it the end of the road. And they'll probably yeah, yeah. be announcing tour dates next week. And there's all kinds of rumors about, you know, is Ace going to be involved this time? Um, so you mentioned you were a vendor. So what, you worked, uh, what, what, what were you doing at MSG? So you worked there for the entire year. So what, Rangers, Knicks, and concerts, the whole nine yards? Yeah, it's, uh, my mother was actually an, an old friend of uh, you know Mike Saunders, the Knicks trainer at the time. And I was looking for some work. I was still like getting out of high school, transitioning to college. And I got a job at Madison Square Garden as like a, a souvenir vendor. So I, and I was a huge Knicks fan, so I loved uh you know, Bur- so you were Bernard selling the programs. Like you were outside yeah, I was game, selling, game program. I, was, program I could tell yeah. you, I could, you know, I could tell you stories of all the celebrities I've met and who's bought stuff for me and stuff like that. Like Keith Hernandez buying uh, Patrick Ewing's first game, uh, buying five dollars worth of programs, giving me a twenty and telling me to keep the change. You know, that's one of my favorites. But I worked at all the all the Knicks, Rangers, all the concerts. I I made my most money. When Madonna did three nights on her Like a Virgin tour, but every event, the circus, Sesame Street Live, everything. And then I worked at Shea Stadium for a few years. That was less fun. That was less fun. <laughs> Not because I'm a huge Met fans, man. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah. just like very abusive. Oh, they were. Uh, yeah. Okay. So, yeah. so MSG, who owned MSG at the time in, in the 80s? I don't remember, to be honest with you. I know it wasn't Dolan. But it, it, was it was Paramount, it was a, I think, wasn't it? Was, yeah, I think, I, it was I think so. It was the Felt Forum back then. Yeah, yeah. I think it was Paramount. Paramount yeah, yeah. I think it was like Paramount movies or the, the company, et cetera, I got whatever. I to see everything, though not in full, but I got to see so many things for free. And then when Kiss came on the Asylum Tour, I saw Soundcheck. You know, that, that was awesome. You know, I saw the Run DMC Raising Hell Tour with LL Cool J and the Beastie Boys and Gady and Oh, that's awesome. Club. So what about you know, the Knicks in 85? They were sort of uh, – They, like, they weren't uh, good, but those those were the prime years sort of, of like my favorite right athletes of all time. Bernard King, right? Bernard King. And I, I got yeah. to know Bernard because I was a huge – my journalism career actually started when I won the New York Knicks high school sports writers contest in high school. And I used to hang outside the Knicks games afterwards, wait for the players to come out, and got to know Bernard. And it was kind of full circle for me last year when he had his book Game Face come out, which you got to check out. And I had him in studio to interview about the book. And, you know, Bernard was so much fun to watch. And he was just such a nice guy to me and me and my dad, you know, really, Uh, really, really nice guy. He flew on the radar in that era because of the other players, right? 
You know, they were just. I would, of, I would say know, in retrospect, yeah, but at the time, everybody Doctor J. Was. Yeah, yeah I'm everybody knew Doctor J's, the birds. Yeah, no, I like Ike Bernard King uh, as well. All right, uh, so we got some cool NBA basketball. Uh, basketball camp. He taught me his turnaround jumper. I was unstoppable from the playground for like half. Yeah, it a didn't year. help you make it to yeah. the, the association, did it? <laughs> no, I was just a you know, small Jewish kid from Queens, you know. Uh, so we got NBA tonight, LeBron James and, and the Lakers. I think they're in a tough spot against the Denver Nuggets. No baseball tonight. Tonight is, is Thursday night football. Thursday night schedule has been pretty good uh, this year. Uh, you know, tonight's one of these games where I wouldn't be betting it if it was on a Sunday. Uh, there's a full slate of college football tonight as well. Jamie Heath's going to join us. We got Ricky Sanders. We got Alex Smith. And um, yeah, not Alex, Alex Smith, quarterback. Smith, Alex Smith, the, the Redskins? No, not the quarterback. Good catch. Uh, the, hand, the handicapper. The oh, handicapper. okay. I was going to ask him why he can't throw more than five yards downfield. Hey, listen, the Red, the Washington are, uh, Washington might win that division. They, they, they might win that division yeah, right now, Scott. Seven, yeah. yeah, like Philadelphia. We keep waiting for Philadelphia to flick that switch. They're going to London uh, this week. But, uh, you know, tonight we'll get into some DFS, so I'm glad you're here for this. Ricky Sanders, a great DFS player. But, you know, Brock Osweiler, he's saw five touchdowns and two interceptions in the two games uh, that he's played. He doesn't have anyone to throw the football to, though, tonight. Devontae Parker, Danny Amendola. I want to take Miami plus the seven, but I'm concerned about the wide receivers tonight. Uh, I don't know if I'd take it. I think it's going to be a, a ugly, low-scoring game. Amendola is the one guy that I think uh, he feels he can turn to. He'll play through the shoulder injury. Amendola, the last two games, has caught 14 passes. And last, last week, he had 84 yards and a touchdown. But you're right, he has nobody else to throw to. Kenny Stills caught a touchdown pass. Yeah, but last week was one catch for five yards. Jakeem Grant, you don't know if he's going to show up. And Devontae Parker has just been a been a huge bust. And the Dolphins turning out to be I thought they were. When they threw three and oh, I said they're gonna be three and five and tonight I'll be game off when they're four and four. Yeah, this is a weird this is a weird scene this year in the NFL where normally you're 0 and two and you're out of the playoffs. You know, oh you got an eight percent chance, nine percent chance of making the playoffs when you're 0 and two. You're 0 and three, you're completely screwed, etc. Not this year. I mean, look at the Houston Texans. They're 0-3. Suddenly, you know what I mean? Boom. Suddenly win four football games in a row, and they're in first place. Um, so that's why I never really wanted to bury the Philadelphia Eagles. You know, teams are every bit as capable of losing three, four games in a row. And look at the Atlanta Falcons. I said this, um, I said this uh, Scott, when, when, the Engel, when, the, uh, when the Falcons were 1-4, I said they're 1-4, but this team is every bit as capable of winning four next five games as well. Now, they've racked up a couple of wins. Their schedule is kind of soft moving forward. It's a streaky year this year. Um, so there's still a lot of football left to be played. But I think we're starting to see the class separate themselves a bit. I mean, the Rams are the real deal. The Chiefs are the real deal. There's some good football teams in the NFL this year. There are. I think a lot more of them in the NFC, though. You know, really? I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't know. I think that there's there's not a ton of good teams, but the teams that are really good are really good. You know, like yeah. look, you got the Chiefs. You got the Chiefs are freaking good in the AFC. Who can really challenge up the the Patriots? No, um, who, can, who can challenge the Patriots? Like everybody, I keep seeing all these Super Bowl predictions, especially from average fans. About I think it's gonna be Chiefs fans. Hello, the road still goes through Brady Belichick. They lost to him two weeks ago. Uh, I know. Everybody's assuming Kansas City because of their record. Until spoken otherwise, this is still New England's conference. My deal is, I'm thinking, yeah, without Kansas City getting whole field, 
Like, if Kansas City has to play in New England, it ain't happening. Now, they probably will get home field, but they have that loss against them right now. But, yeah, you're right. If Kansas City plays at home, they got a puncher's chance to beat the Patriots. And that's not a guarantee. They play in Foxborough, they got zero chance. Like, they won't beat them at that point in time. I don't th- I wouldn't then, say have zero chance, but I think just a lot of people, you know, yeah, they, 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 they position no, things zero, the way but. they want to position them. And they, they say, okay, it's going to be Kansas City because everybody's so sick and friggin' tired of the Patriots. But guess what? They haven't gone away yet, and they're still not away. Well, I'm sick of the Red Sox in a combination. It just bothers me. It's too much. Like, the fans are just arrogant, and they're just mocking the rest of America now. That's all they're doing yeah. in Boston. Like, it's too much, dude. The Patriots every damn week, and Tom Brady this, and he breaks another record. And, you know, now they get the Buffalo Bills. Of course, the Bills are on national television, rarely on Monday Night Football. They get on Monday Night Football, and they're freaking terrible. I mean, it's it's a train wreck. And it's just going to be more celebrating for, for Boston on TV on Monday night. It's frustrating. And I remind <laughs> and people. And you got the Celtics, too, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, screw the Celtics. My Raptors can handle them. The Raptors can handle the Celtics, although the Raptors are like the Kansas City Chiefs. Everything that they do in the, pre-se- in the regular season doesn't mean anything, right? They do something in the playoffs. The Raptors have been down the road before, but I think yeah. that it's a little different now they have Kawhi Leonard. 5-0. and oh. Yeah, as long as Kawhi can stay healthy, yeah. Yeah, well, no, he's looked good so far. He's healthy, and, they, you know, they're not overusing him as far as the minutes uh, are concerned. But I remind people with that, if you're neutral about this World Series, but you hate the Patriots, let me remind you that all those Red Sox fans are Patriot fans as well. And we, we must, like, unify at some point to take them down. Like I said, I don't even like all the, the ones. Dolphins, all the was... ones in Boston, I mean, Red Sox fans outside of Boston. Like, I know one who's actually, like, a Red Sox and a Dolphins fan. Uh, you know, and he's from New York. So yeah, nice guy. New York's New York. New York's interesting like that. You'll especially find in football that people root for out of town teams. Like I root for the Seahawks, although I like the Mets and the Knicks. And uh, Corey more bases on it. Like who's historically won more championships or who's more glamorous? Yeah, Corey. Uh, well, yeah, we uh, we have a lot of uh, we bring that up a lot on the morning show now about uh, Corey's front runner. I love yeah. it. Like he's a Yankee fan, the Cowboys, he's a Cowboys have been fan good for twenty two years though. Yeah, I know. So we'll give him credit for that, that he, he's still a fan, but he doesn't know they're not good. Like, he thinks they're good still. Like, he, he's in <laughs> denial. Jamie Heath joins us next. <laughs> From the NFL to the NBA, DailyRoto.com is the place to win millions in daily fantasy. You can get the best DFS NFL coverage all season long for a price of $129.99 or dominate the entire daily fantasy sports realm with the Elite Package at $59.99 per month. If you use the promo code FNTSY, you get 10% off your Daily Roto package. Go to DailyRoto.com, pick your NFL or Elite package, enter promo code FNTSY, and you'll be on your way to becoming the next Daily Roto Millionaire. Um, That's right. Okay, got it. All right. All right, welcome back to Game Time Decisions with Gabe Morrency and Scott Engel. Uh, yep. Gabe will be right back with us. Hopefully he didn't visit a tree in Buffalo, and that's uh, that's not why he's not with us. But uh, time to talk some Thursday night football, and to do that we welcome in uh, Jamie Heath of SportsBrokers.com. Jamie, uh, good to talk to you. Uh, probably be more fun talking to you than watch this game tonight. 
<laughs> Great to talk to you as well, Scott. And you could be right about this game. But then again, you're talking about two NFL teams that are actually winning records right now at this point. Four and three with the uh, Houston Texans, four and three with the Dolphins. One team looks like they're going in the right direction, and the other team, we don't know what direction they're going in right now. So uh, interesting game, to say the least. Yeah, uh, I think you, you know it's kind of a knee-jerk reaction to say that it's going to be boring, but it just it doesn't look like it's exciting from a points perspective. You're right. You know, got to give Houston credit uh, after losing their first three, winning their next four despite the injuries to Deshaun Watson. So, you know, like I was talking with Gabe, though, you know, the, the Dolphins like the one of the worst three and O teams you could ever see, but uh, they did beat who it was supposed to beat. But I think ultimately they're five for ball club. That's what it'll be after tonight. But the over under on this is uh, forty four. That's the implied point total. You know, I see this game as going under. You know, Deshaun Watson is playing at a point right now where he's not running running around at all. Uh, he could go out with that bruised lung in the ribs at any time. And uh, look, Brock Osweiler has played well, but, you know, heading on the road, which could be a revenge game for him, though. I'd, I don't think you'd expect a lot, like Gabe was saying. They're kind of depleted at wide receiver. So I'm liking the under tonight. Yeah, no, you know something? Uh, I'm, I'm kind of in agreement with you as far as that concern with this toll in the game. They really haven't asked Deshaun Watson to do very much in the last month since he has this. Uh, he's been getting killed pretty much every game. He had a partially uh, collapsed lung. He had to take a bus to go to the game last week, which shows a lot to the team that this guy's really all in. Because in most cases, he probably wouldn't have even, you know, a lot of wouldn't have even made the trip or even played in that game. So it actually shows a lot. Houston's really been playing some smash mouth defense the last week, couple of weeks, the three weeks. Uh, Dallas game was a 19-16 game. They had a, a close uh, win against Buffalo, and then last week they they beat Jacksonville pretty convincingly in a 20-7 to ugly-type fashion win also. So they really haven't had to ask Deshaun Watson to do much. I don't think they're going to have to ask him to do much this week either. He's really averaging around 25 passes a game. So I, I'm, I'm in agreement with you on that one as well. I, I like the under as well. Jamie, uh, good, to, good to be with you. We just had hey, there you are. Yeah, we had a technical uh, technical issue, but our uh, our amazing team of techs took care of it pretty quick. <laughs> so it's always a pleasure, Jamie. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing to me. It's amazing to me, guys, that that a man is not healthy enough to get on a plane because of the air pressure. <laughs> yet yeah. so they could drop him, you know, on a football field with three hundred pound men falling on top of him, like. Yeah. What am I? I'm not a doctor, but I don't know what I'm missing in this, but it just seems a little peculiar to me. <laughs> it, it really does, and, and the Texas uh, offensive line really isn't doing this man any favors. Week in and week out, this poor guy's running for his life, and probably the same thing again when you got uh, the likes of Cameron Wake chasing him tonight. So, uh, look, you know, I give kudos to uh, Deshaun Watson for doing, for doing what he's doing. Yeah, well, you know, sorry, uh, when you have DeAndre Hopkins as a wide receiver, that it, makes, hurt. It, it, it makes it it makes it makes it easier, you know. And it's always entertaining to turn on the television, the, uh, you know, just watch him play. But the offensive line has been a real problem for Houston, probably like the worst in the AFC. Uh, you know, what do you expect in terms of pass rush? You know, defensively, what kind of performance for the Dolphins tonight? Well, to be honest with you, uh, the Dolphins they have major injury uh, bugs themselves right now. Albert Wilson's out. He's on the IR. Kenny Stills is out for tonight's game. You're looking at Devontae Parker. There's rumors that they want to trade him. So Adam Gaze obviously isn't on the same page with him. The agent called him out last week, something that 
lately it seems like the thing to do with uh, football these days. Agents are calling out the coaches about their star players. So I think the Dolphins are going to play a halfway decent game as far as their defense is concerned. Also, tonight. Although last week against Detroit, they pretty much gave a ton of yards to a Detroit Lions team on the ground. I think uh, on Johnson ran wild. He ran for over 160 yards. Blunt ran for 50 and a TD as well. So, you know, it, it, and Lamar Miller's actually starting to pick it up. He's running the ball. So I, I see them running the football a lot tonight also. That's another reason why I'm leaning towards the under this game as well. But we do have a major play on a side in this game. So we want all your callers, to, to uh, actually all your listeners, to, to call us at one 800 220-6262 or visit our website, thesportsbrokers.com, or join our website. We got five you know college, college football games tonight, too. Hey, you know what, uh, Scott? You look at the Miami Dolphins, and you mentioned the offensive line issues. Both their tight ends are listed as questionable as well. Just a, a depleted, depleted uh, football team uh, coming into uh, to tonight's game. Houston's an interesting football team in that you know they played seven games. They've only topped 20 points. Uh, twice. And one uh, against Indianapolis. Yeah, one, one of those. Yeah, and, one, good, and Indianapolis yeah, one, gives up over 20 points uh, pretty much to anyone. Yeah, it's an anemic offense. Yeah, it's, it seems like a good spot uh, for them this season. You guys got a big play uh, on the side. The total, I have a hard time taking any of these NFL games to the under, actually. And if you look at the Miami Dolphins, their defense really hasn't played well in the last couple of weeks. Two high score games since Osweiler's been in here. Yes, it has. Uh, they uh, had a 31-28 to uh, game against the Bears where uh, I believe Drake fumbled at the one in that game. Howard fumbled at the one. By the way, that game was 7 nothing at halftime, Miami, and just exploded in the second half in that game. And, yes, last week against the Lions uh, was a 32-21 to game, 53-point game. Gabe, you're right. Anytime you're, uh, you're, you're taking an under in the NFL, you're probably playing with fire with the, with the rule changes and the way the games have been going. But uh, I do, like Scott said earlier, think this could be an ugly football game. So I am leaning towards the under. Yeah, when the Dolphins win games, it seems like they just do it with big plays. And uh, Albert Wilson was one of those guys. Uh, Jakeem Grant, you know, we've seen flashes from him. Uh, the Dolphins be capable of executing some big plays here tonight. They do it more at home than on the road. But that's a, you know, that's a secondary you can attack in Houston. True. That's, that, that is true. And Brock Osweiler was with the Houston Texans, so maybe he knows a couple of the uh, secondary uh, players and the tendencies and some of their weekend, weak, weaknesses, so maybe he might exploit those uh, weaknesses. But like you said, they're, they're big chunk plays. They turn, in, they turn like a, a screen pass into like 80-yard play, and a lot of those were Albert Wilson plays, and he's out obviously tonight. But you, you mentioned Grant. He's also a kick returner. You never know. You might see a special team score. You could see Brock Osweiler yeah. also throwing a pick six. So that could obviously always sway the, uh, the total in a lot of these games. That's what ends up coming down to an over-under going over or under as well. Yeah, one thing is to mention with Osweiler, he's put up some decent numbers. Uh, we, we talk about, you know, the five touchdowns and two interceptions, but I saw a stat, uh, at least in the first game that he played, 76% of his yards came after the catch. So it wasn't like he's lighting it up. His his players, you know, just made big plays once they got the football uh, in, in their hands. So uh, you can check out Jamie and, and Kevin Todd Sports over at thebrokers.com. That's www.thesportsbrokers.com. Full slate of college football tonight. A lot of games, so it's it's pleasurable because there's no there's no baseball this evening, and this might not be the most glamorous NFL game. Virginia Tech and Georgia Tech is the one I've got my eye on, Jamie. Very interesting and, game, yeah. Yeah, I you know I think that uh, I think uh, I think Paul Johnson's Georgia Tech offense right now is staler than uh, than Wild Milk. 
at this point in time. I think everybody in the ACC seen it. You know, that's the thing. It's it's tough to deal with the first couple of times you see it. You're not used to seeing it. But these teams that deal with it on a yearly basis, they're not intimidated anymore. Everyone knows Georgia Tech can't throw the football. They're so one-dimensional. They don't have as good of athletes as they've had in the past couple of years. You know, to me, and you know, you got you got Fuente in a spot like this only laying a field goal. And I haven't seen if there's been live movement in the last. It's actually couple three and a half. It's three and a half. Yeah, son of I knew that, would go that up. hat, that that hook, the old. But yeah. I don't think it'll matter. I don't think it'll matter. I think they win comfortably. It's I like fun, It's funny you mentioned Paul Johnson and his his Navy uh, triple option. A lot of teams in the and and you're right because he's been around in the ACC quite some time now. Exactly in the years it's been. And you're right. A lot of these uh, teams are obviously game planning against it. You know they can't throw the ball. I look at some of their matchups. Oh, look at Louisville like two or three weeks ago when they went into Louisville. They couldn't be stopped. I mean, you know, and Louisville pretty much held Florida State to, to no points pretty much for three and a half quarters of their game. So it, it's, just, it's just weird how certain teams can defend it and certain teams can't. Duke wasn't Duke. Duke was a team that was able to defend it. Yeah, uh, Duke had no issues with it. Yeah, not not at all. But 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 a team like Louisville really did. So it, it's it's weird. We're gonna see because Fuentes and you got you got their def- defensive coordinator who seems like he's been around forever. Also on Virginia Tech, obviously they they've been game planning it because both of them were off this past Saturday, gearing up for this game. So. You know, you could be right about that as well. The line actually did open up at four and a half in this game, and it dropped to three and a half. So that's also something to consider. It actually dropped to three, and it's, it's you like, now coming back. We've to only got a minute here. So do you like any of the other games here tonight? Uh, App State, Georgia Southern, the music is playing. Uh, what's the I number li- to call I, as well? I, I, first off, I like a lot of overs in these MAC games tonight. I like the over in the Toledo-Western Michigan game, and I like the over in the, the Ball State-Ohio game. Those games that I think are going to be overs. And, uh, nice. And second highest to call, I mean, total, yeah. All right, Andrew two two zero six two six two. Visit the website. Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Game Time Decisions. Game Time Decisions. Ready to Rage Radio continues. I am Gabriel Morenci, the Raging Redhead Cam Stewart off today. The King. Scott Engel throwing it down uh, with us. Thanks to uh, Jamie Heath. We're going to get Alex Smith on. Did you see the message, uh, Yang? So we'll get Alex Smith on now in a moment or two. I know there was some uh, chaos in the studio, server uh, issues. Good job by uh, getting that up and going. So we'll get Alex Smith on. Uh, we got this uh, Thursday night football game uh, this evening. Uh, we got Alex, right? Alex, what's going on, Alex? Hey, thanks for having me on again, guys. Uh, busy, busy Thursday. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what? Uh, no baseball tonight, but we got a full slate of college football. And uh, the NFL game here this evening. We've got some NHL hockey as well. Our boy Cam, you know, it's too bad. I didn't know Cam was going to be here right until the last second, actually. Cam, of course, loves to bet on hockey. He took all the road teams last week, and uh, he cashed in. We've got this Thursday night uh, football game. 
Um, and then we've got a bunch of college football games. We were just talking about the Virginia Tech game a little bit, Alex, uh, with Jamie Heath. And that's one of the games that uh, I you know, has my eye circled uh, that, that, that I took a look at here. And you know, I know Virginia Tech, they, it's not the same. It's not quite as scary to go up there and play as it used to be. But I think this is a winnable game for them tonight against Georgia Tech. You know, I'm actually opposite uh, a lot of people with this one. I like Georgia Tech here, and I, and I get what everybody's saying. You know, obviously Georgia Tech, you know what they're going to do. They're going to run the option. Uh, they're not going to throw the ball much, but the, I mean, there's a difference between knowing what's going to happen and being able to prevent it from happening. Stop it! Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah and, and that's the thing. With you look at the series, the underdog has gone five zero and one the last six in the series, and Georgia Tech's been money as an underdog. I've won a couple times already this year, but they're thirteen seven and one as an underdog going back all the way to twenty fourteen. This is a team that uh, you know if you're giving me points with them, like I said, yeah, you know what they're going to do, but they executed very well. And, and Virginia Tech. Uh, we've seen them be spotty on defense at times. Like I said, this is going to be a grinded-out game. When you ever have you have a grind-out week game like this, I'm always leaning towards the side of taking place. you got Baylor, West Virginia. Uh, both yeah, teams yeah, are like coming up. up. Yeah, and I'm uh, just following up on it. You know, both uh, both teams coming off of buys. Uh, Baylor, you know, wasn't able to get it done in Texas. West Virginia got uh, destroyed last time out. But uh, you know, we expected better performances from these teams. Uh, you know, this time coming out, and it seems like a lot of the a lot of the total dollars are going towards Baylor and in, in, uh, you know the betting circles. Yeah, but uh, Baylor and West Virginia, both interesting teams to watch. West Virginia is a team that I've always had uh, a struggle to read on because they're a team that they start off hot. Then once they get in the conference play, they start to kind of dwindle a little bit. Uh, at Holgerson, Holgerson's a, a very volatile guy. And he kind of, if you watch a game with him, as soon as he starts to unravel on the sideline, his team kind of follows the same suit. Within, and they stay cool, and his team stays cool. So it, it, this is a game that I can really stay away from because, like I said, these two teams that are, that are quite hard to read. But uh, obviously you got some extreme offensive talent. Uh, especially on the, on the West Virginia side, Will Greer, uh, you know, throwing ball around. But this is this is a game. It, like I said, it, it's one of those hard to read cast spots, especially on a, on a weekday spot because you you know you're going to see this line move back and forth because it's going to draw more action than say one of the the games or, or you know a Sun Belt draw, draw as well. You're right, Alex. It's amazing how I've never seen a coach and, and a team unravel the way that they like the players follow the coach. And it reminds me of what I would be like on the sidelines. <laughs> he's throwing his headset. But it's one thing to get mad. Like, you can get mad and throw a headset, yell at the ref, and then mm-hmm. you're composed again, right? You'll see coaches do that. Yeah, and Holgerson, his hair gets all messy. He starts getting tangled up in the cables. He starts throwing things. And I've seen it before, Alex, where he's so unhappy about a call, he's still bitching. Like, there was a turnover once, and he was crying about it. He's crying about it. He's yelling yeah. at the ref, and the other team scored a touchdown. It's like yeah. coach. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, you're dealing with teenagers here, and you're right. I've seen it where Holgerson loses it, and then a kid on one of his players starts mounting off on the field. They get a penalty. It really is contagious. Like, he loses his cool. He's a good coach, too. When he keeps his composure, he's a good coach. Yeah. I've always felt West Virginia, like you called it, they beat bad teams, and then when Crawford, like every year West Virginia is 5-0. and I remember that's yeah, why Geno right. Smith got drafted as high as he did, right, Scott? I yep. mean, I remember telling people at the time. No, I swear, I remember telling people, you're getting fooled by this guy. He ain't this guy. Because I remember as the big game started to come, he started to wilt Geno in the bigger games. And he put up these big numbers, and they fell for it. But people said, Alice, coming into this year, that this year's West Virginia team was different than other ones. That this one with Will Greer was different. 
Yeah, I mean, they said that, and and the diff- I guess the difference is, like you said, having the more high-octane offense. We've seen West Virginia kind of be a, a, a lower, slower defensive team at times, and but you have to have a, uh, at least a adequate offense to stay afloat in the Big 12 because everybody else has got a good quarterback, decent receivers. So, but uh, you look, you know, looking at some of the numbers, West Virginia coming off a of bye week, they're four and twelve against the spread off of a bye, and they usually end up having like two or three bye weeks because I, I noticed that early in the year they'll have a bye. Uh, maybe like a week before conference play kind of starts, so that's uh, that is something of note, you know, with that the trend there. But uh, you know, like I said, it's, it's just hard to back them. They're a very temperamental team, and, and they're a team that just I just really don't don't trust a whole lot. And looking at West Virginia, four and two against uh, four and two straight up, only one and five against the spread in the series. So, like I said, winning the game, covering going to be two different things here. I, it's a it's a stay away spot for me. Yeah, to be to be it's oh, it's Baylor or nothing here, guys, for me. I want to take Baylor. I, I know Baylor aren't back yet right now, but Matt Rule's doing a nice job of sort of piecing this thing back together. You can see when you watch Baylor play, they're getting their confidence back a little. I covered against Texas uh, a couple of weeks ago, but well, I was lucky to get the cover. I mean, we backed, you know, we, we squeezed in here. <laughs> I mean, basically, Baylor was, Baylor was covering all game. Texas was about to pull away, basically ran out of time. Like, Texas was the better football team. But, hey, we, we covered the number there. I don't know. This this might turn into a beatdown tonight. There's a lot of games tonight, but I find they're tricky. We'll move on to the NFL and some hockey here, Alex. Is that, Alex is really into the pucks, too, the NHL. But what about that App State game with Georgia Southern? I mean, no one really wants to get in front of App State, but Georgia Southern have been a covering machine as well. Both these teams have been covering. Like, uh, they're both, what, um, they're 6-0. and I mean, App State's five and one straight up and five and one against the spread, guys. And then you got Georgia Southern, who's actually uh, six and zero, oh, and they're six and zero oh against the spread. Yeah, or six and know, one. Yeah, excuse absolutely. me, six and one against the spread. Excuse me, five and one against. Right. The spread. Let me it, get the exact one. <laughs> I'm getting confused yeah. here, but you know what I'm saying. They both cover every damn game. <laughs> Yeah, they do, and they and they do a lot of the, of the same systems. I mean, Appalachian State, you know, they put up a lot of points, but the majority of, the, of their game is based on the ground. Of course, Georgia, Georgia Southern uh, for years ran a triple option attack. They've kind of deviated slightly from that, but they're still these are two ground based teams. Uh, and Appalachian State, their their main goal is stopping the ball as well. I mean, their defense ranked eighth in the country overall. Uh, you know, they've held. Uh, Georgia Southern last year in this matchup to 2.9 yards per carry. They've won and covered in the last three within the series. Uh, you know, you, you get a bit of a, a laying a bit of a price here with, with App State, but uh, that, that's where the side I would be looking at here. Like I said, this is just a team they they're in, you know going to be bowl eligible. They're going to play looking to try and play as big of a bowl game as possible. But uh, like I said, Georgia Southern six give and them, one. Sorry, Alex. I just want to clarify. Yeah, yeah four and zero at home, but they're six and one straight up and six one against the spread. And App State is five and one straight up and five and one against the spread. So they're combined eleven and two against the spread this year. Both like right. extreme money. Exactly. They're both big money makers. Right, yeah. So they both cash numbers, like I said. So App State with a win here, they'll be they'll be bowl eligible as well. So this is a, this is a really big game as far as uh, the conference goes, and as far as both these teams, you know, having uh, you know making a run at, at some kind of a big bowl late in the year. Uh, but it's, it'll be a fun game to watch. But it's, I, if anything, I would be looking at probably be the under. Uh, I could see this being a, a very low scoring game. Both defenses, uh, you know, get into it early. Like I said last year. You look at the score, it's only 27-6, Appalachian State won uh, and, and covered in that one. The year before, they, they were also cashed under in a 34-10 battle. So it's going to be a lot of ground ball, uh, uh, possibly a lot of turnovers for us, a lot, a lot of things in the trenches. So that's something I'd be looking for in that game in the, in the Sun Belt tonight. All right, so in the NHL, 
a lot like the NBA, out of the gate, there were a lot of overs out of the gate in the NHL. Yeah. High-scoring games. Yeah. And, you know, there's still some overs hitting, but the odds makers have adjusted, and you're routinely getting six and a halfs and sixes across the board. Uh, you know, tonight, Philadelphia and Boston on the board, something that catches my eye. The Philadelphia Flyers have been a big over team, uh, Alex. Seven and two to the over on the season in their nine games, the Flyers. Yeah, and they've also, if you look, I mean, you know, if you're into looking at the derivative markets, I've been cashing a lot with the first period overs. Philadelphia six and three to the over in the first period, so they've been scoring early, uh, which has been a, a key to, to why they've been getting those full games over as well. And you look at Boston depleted on the blue line; they've got injuries with Miller and McAvoy. Uh, you know, I don't see where the defensive stops are going to come for for Boston. Obviously, Philly, we've seen them be you know spotty once again. It's kind of the same old story: them spotty goaltending. Uh, you know. Good spurts of offense, but not enough uh, help in the blue line to kind of keep them afloat. So, like I said, the over looks good here, but I definitely would be on that over, uh, you know, one and a half goals in the first period. One of the interesting Montreal games Canadians. tonight should, should be uh, Go ahead, Scott. Nashville, Nashville and New Jersey. And, uh, Devils, you know, yeah. the, the Devils. They've the Devils off last a little, time, the Devils. Yeah, the, the Devils, the, the last time they faced Nashville, they got shut out, and they were depleted by injuries. And uh, now now it's the same thing as – you know they uh, they play Steven Santini, Ben Lovejoy, and uh, Drew Stafford on IR earlier this week. Uh, you know, how do you think that affects the, their outlook and the overall outlook tonight? Yeah, I mean it does it does hinder them slightly, but but New Jersey's got a ton of talent here. They're coming off of back to back losses. They're going to be you know uh, focused in this matchup. Uh, you got Keith Kincaid that's going to be going in that. He's been playing very well for them. And you look on the on the opposite side with Nashville. Nashville's been really good on the road. Uh, you know they had had that that setback that five four loss with uh, San Jose. You know the Preds Peter Laviolette was not happy about that. But this is a team that won their last five games on the road. Uh, they've been, they put away some decent teams as well. So this is gonna be, it's going to be a tough spot here. I would lean with Nashville, but I, I don't count New Jersey out. New Jersey's a team I was high on beginning of the year. I played their season uh, points total over. They're a team I think that's going to really make some noise in that metropolitan division. They're, you know, it's always a dogfight with those teams, but I think New Jersey has uh, quality scoring, good depth, and they have two decent goaltenders. They should be able to, uh, to stay afloat for most of the year. But I would lean towards Nashville uh, at a, a short chalk price for that. You know what's really cool, guys? Today uh, it was announced, Will Hill Sportsbook, and shout out to Will Hill. I got to get out to Monmouth. Uh, we're just locked down in the city so often, but I really want to get out to Monmouth uh, to the sportsbook out there uh, one of these weekends. But Will Hill announced that they're opening up a, a sports betting lounge, a sportsbook in the Prudential Center at the right. home of the New Jersey Devils. So you will be, we'll be able to bet. Literally, we'll be able to place bets in the arena at the game, which is the future has arrived. It's about time. You can do this in, in yeah. Europe. So way wicked. And to be honest, well, listen, I'm a gambler, and I am a hockey fan, but I don't get out to a lot, ton of hockey games. But it's encouraged me to actually go. You know, and I think it'll sure. encourage yeah. other betters to go, too, knowing, all right, hey, we'll go down to the Prudential Center. We'll get there half an hour before the game, place our bets. And, hey, you know, it'd be pretty cool. In between periods, you can go check in. Hey, what's the in-game number right now? And uh, you can place your bet, get a beer, get your bet in, and on the way out, cash your ticket. To, I know, to me, it's, it's adding to the fan experience immensely. So shout-out to the New Jersey Devils and Will Hill for making that happen. Um, Montreal Canadiens and Buffalo Sabres, two teams that are playing pretty well. Uh, Canadians um, have surprised people with their hot start. And then you got the Buffalo Sabres who have been racking up uh, those top draft picks over the last couple of years, Alex. So it's about time. It's actually decent. They're not great, but yeah. at least they're competitive and the Sabres are in games. What, what do you make of this one uh, tonight? I'll tell you what. 
like growing up in Montreal, even when the Canadians were good, the Sabres always give them trouble. The, the Montreal have always struggled playing in Buffalo over the years. Yeah, well, I mean, if you go if, if you go deeper back, that's the case. But looking just back at the last ten meetings, Montreal actually done fairly well. They've gone eight one and one, uh, having really you know been a lot. But of, the Sabres of have been scoring. terrible, right? The last couple of years, <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. That like, is true. They're, they're, right, right. They've been we, terrible. Right, you, you, yeah, you have to take that with a bit of a grain of salt because not only is the Buffalo terrible, we also saw some better Montreal teams the last two or three years. But like I said, looking at, at the yeah. at the current the, the current uh, you know form of both these clubs, Buffalo coming back home off of a what I think is a fairly decent. Three and two road trip, uh, you know, on the West Coast. It's always a tough spot for a team, East Coast team, coming back from a West Coast trip, especially a good one. Like I said, having to play in it as well overall, but but getting some things together. True. Had a few days off coming back against a, a Montreal team that looked really sharp. You know, that that game the other night against Calgary was big for me because they they were down a, a, a bit early. They had a ton of chances early against David Riddich. Riddich was incredible net for the Calgary Flames. Uh, but Montreal normally in years past, if they had a, t- a ton of, of blown chances early they would kind of hang their heads low kind of you know put some weight on their skates kind of be down on themselves they didn't do that they stuck through it they got all three goals they needed in the second period and bounced back held on for the 3-2 victory so they're showing some signs of life too obviously this is a franchise that you know uh has seen its better days but they're they're hanging in there staying afloat i think it's gonna be a really competitive game and i'm looking at montreal here uh, at a plus price they can find it you know around plus a dollar ten i think they'll be able to give the sabers enough they can handle it should be able to win this game tonight I keep scrolling, we... Angle. There's a million games tonight. There's a ton of hockey games. <laughs> yeah, it's you know if you if you're a hockey fan and there's no World Series tonight, uh, you know you have a lot of fun. Uh, Calgary's hosting Pittsburgh. Uh, the Flames at five four and zero, but they're coming off a disappointing loss in Montreal on Tuesday, and now they got they got a tough two game stretch here uh, where they host uh, the Penguins and uh, the defending champion Capitals. Yeah, well, you look, I mean, you look at the, this Pittsburgh team. I mean, they came off of a, a super electrifying win, uh, you know, 6-5 in overtime against Edmonton. You kind of wonder, you know, is, is the energy level going to still be there? And that, uh, you know, obviously that, that's a, a big matchup. You had, you know, Crosby going up against McDavid. Crosby, of course, getting the, the stellar goal in overtime to, to win that game uh, a couple of nights ago. Like I mentioned with Calgary, you know, Calgary, had a great effort, got another great effort from David Riddich and Nett, but, uh, you know, fell short to the Canadians 3-2. One interesting note about when these two teams have played, the last four times they played, they played twice a year because they're obviously in opposite conferences, but all four matchups have gone into overtime. So Calgary has kind of hung around with Pittsburgh a little bit. Maybe something if you can find, you know, a regulation or three-way line, maybe bet this game to go into overtime, you probably find a nice little three-to-one price, you know, plus 260, something in that range. Uh, if Pittsburgh doesn't have the same energy level that they did the other night against Edmonton with Calgary, uh, might be taking them for granted a little bit. So it could be a, a game closer than everybody's looking at. I might even lean toward playing Calgary here. Alex Smith uh, with us. I want to get into the Blackhawk uh, game. I know you know the Hawks well. Hang in here, Alex. We're going to take a a rapid-fire break right here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. We're off and running. Slight tech issue earlier in the program, but uh, we're killing it now. The gang angle in for Cam Stewart. I am Gable Morenci. Red Heat and Rage, Game Time Decisions Radio continues. Got Ricky Sanders going to join us in a 6 o'clock hour. We'll uh, take a look at the DFS card tonight, NBA and NFL. 
From the NFL to the NBA, DailyRoto.com is the place to win millions in daily fantasy. You can get the best DFS NFL coverage all season long for a price of $129.99 or dominate the entire daily fantasy sports realm with the Elite Package at $59.99 per month. If you use the promo code FNTSY, you get 10% off your DailyRoto Package. Go to DailyRoto.com, pick your NFL or Elite Package, enter promo code FNTSY, and you'll be on your way to becoming the next Daily Roto Millionaire. Our boy Yang kicking it in the studio. We're getting we're, we're totally up to date here. There's some serious pocket loss on a node in New York City, close to the studio. I don't even know what that means. Serious pocket loss. Sounds, in other words, there was there was internet problems. That's what it means. <laughs> uh, sounded to me like they were talking like you know like when you watch a NASCAR race and Kyle Petty starts uh, you know talking about like all the technical stuff that's over the viewer's head. You say right now I, th- I think Chase Elliott's got a packet loss. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. I like I like when the drivers start dropping f bombs. Um, yeah, we had Chase Elliott on one of the hottest uh, hottest drivers. Um, you know, the guy drives real fast. I tell you, he doesn't talk fast. <laughs> we'll put it that way. But but that's another story. We're with Alex Smith right now. Alex, where can people uh, find you and get your get your picks? Yeah, go to my website, AXSmithSports.com, and I'm also on Twitter at AXSmithSports. All right, so let's let's get into some football, but just look at a couple of hockey games uh, here. You got Washington and Edmonton tonight. Total is six uh, here. The Washington Capitals are six and two to the over. Edmonton Oilers uh, three and four uh, over under right now. I, you know, I got to be honest, Alex. I was expecting sort of a Stanley Cup hangover um, for the Washington Capitals, a franchise that had been close and you know so many years and never won before. Uh, we've never seen. I thought uh, I thought we partied hard in Las Vegas, but you know, like you you always hear like Super Bowl hangover or Stanley mm-hmm. Cup hangover, or whatever. Like, that was literal with Ovechkin. I mean, this guy got drunk all summer with the cup. He really partied his ass off. And I thought, you know what? They're going to be a fade team this year because they'll be, they'll be lined and the odds will be, you know, like they're the Stanley Cup champions. But, you know, they lose their coach. They're going to lose some of their hunger. But, you know, we got to tip our cap to them, man. They're 4-2-1 right now. They're just that damn good. Ovechkin's playing great hockey. And, I guess he's just used to being hung over this guy. He's that good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And the thing is too, I mean, you look at how Washington started off. They got the you know, they came home the banner raising night and they absolutely destroyed Boston. Then the next night they got into a, a, a literal boat race with Pittsburgh and lost that seven to six. So they've had some up and down battles. They had a couple of games, uh the that game against New Jersey, they got blown out six nothing. There there's some spots where you could see there was a little bit of rust, a little bit of adjustment, but now they're starting to get things rolling in the right direction. Uh, and it gets the Edmonton team. And, you know, I expect this to be kind of like how it was, like I said, with Edmonton Pittsburgh the other night. Teams are, aren't going to be overlooking some certain teams. They know who's coming into their building. You know, Edmonton, they're fully aware of, of the meltdown they had last season, and they're aware that the Stanley Cup champions are going to be there in their house. Uh, Washington has played them very tough. They've gone 7-2-1 and one in the last 10 meetings. Uh, you know, quite a bit of scoring between these two. Like I said, so it's going to be the, the, you know, you look at from a marquee matchup, and, and we don't hear that often in, in the NHL like you do in the NBA, but this is a marquee matchup as far as, you know, Ovechkin going up against McDavid. These are two of the, the best hockey players in the world right now facing off against each other. So uh, obviously they're going to want to shine 
for themselves to shine for their club. So this is something that that'll be a, of a interesting thing to look at. And you're only laying a, a short price, a dollar twenty, dollar twenty five at Washington. That's the side I'd be looking at here. I think they take care of business on the road tonight. Anaheim and Dallas. Uh, the puck drops on that one at eight thirty p.m. Eastern tonight. And uh, Anaheim's uh, is three and three on the road, and uh, Dallas has some key injuries to deal with. Yeah, I mean, and, and Anaheim also has been dealing with injuries. Uh, the injury bug bit them kind of hard early as well. This is a, uh, you know, a, kind of a, a sloppy, a toss-up game. The only way I would be looking at here would be Dallas. I think, you know, Dallas at home. Uh, I, I feel like they could find a, kind of find a way to get their bearings together. I like Jim Montgomery. I like that hire. I think uh, his system, his up-tempo style, is something that uh, you know should work out in Dallas. But it, they're having some growing pains. They picked up the four-two win against the LA team that's just in complete disarray right now. Uh, when you look at Anaheim, Anaheim, you know, losing three in a row, uh, they did not look sharp against Chicago. Obviously, you know, Corey Crawford was, was good in that game, but, uh, Anaheim had some chances that they just completely missed on themselves. Uh, Anaheim, they're, they're shooting themselves in the foot more than other teams are beating them. So, uh, I think this might be what cures, he might cure what ails Dallas right now. Uh, it's a high price here, so maybe look at the, you know, playing on the regulation line or, or laying the puck line, but I would look at Dallas Stars tonight over Anaheim. Uh, we'd be remiss if we don't bring up the Kings and your Minnesota Wild, as uh, Alex is in the uh, the Minneapolis-St. Paul uh, area right now. Los Angeles uh, at the Minnesota uh, Wild. L.A. Kings struggling uh, out of the gate, 2-6-1. and one. Really struggle on the road, 1-4 and four on the road. Meanwhile, Minnesota, 4-2-1 uh, and two, one on the 4-2-1 and one on the season, but haven't lost in regulation at home, 3-0-1. Uh, on home ice so far uh, this year, laying uh, about minus 160, 165 or so. Are you willing to pull the trigger on the wild uh, tonight, Alex? You know, I, I would, but like I said, once again, I would have to play this, uh, you know, wild team in regulation, of course. I mean, I, I talked about this. I do a show, The Ice Guys, three days a week uh, online on YouTube through, through SBR, and I talked about Jonathan Quick, you know, coming back off of that injury. This is a guy, he has logged a ton of minutes. If you count up, all the stars, yeah. I mean, this is a guy who was getting 60, 65 stars a year in the regular season. Deep playoff runs of, of 15, 16, 17 games. And you have a, a goalie having a lower body or a groin issue. It's like a pitcher with their arm or their elbow. They're never quite always the same. And the more that they wear on it, the more they wear on it, the, the, more they, the less they look like themselves. So that being said, this L.A. team looks to be in a world of trouble. If he's not ready, he's not sharp enough. Uh, this series, has, the home team has won eight of the last ten meetings. Is it Minnesota undefeated? You know, hasn't lost in regulation at home yet. Uh, the one game that they lost, one of the losses in overtime was against uh, a Carolina team that got 59 shots on goal on them. Uh, Devin Dubnik has been stellar in that he's kept them in, in, in virtually every game that they've played when he's been between the pipes. So uh, Minnesota, I think, in regulation, uh, the side I've been looking at here. Uh, not a game I think that, you know, it's marquee, obviously. Uh, Vancouver and the Coyotes uh, tonight. The Coyotes still not at 500. Uh, they're the lowest scoring team in the league, but uh, you know it seems like a matchup they can take advantage of with it beat up as Vancouver is. Yeah, it is. I mean, this is a game. I mean, I'm not. I'm not going to be running around anywhere trying to lay two to one with this Arizona team. But like you said, Vancouver. Vancouver. You know, they've done well despite having some guy, key guys out. Elias uh, Pedersen, Brock Besser, both. You know, uh, having their their issues. Uh, Pedersen with that concussion. He's going to be out for at least another seven to ten days or so. Uh, Adler being put on IR. So they're they're having some some serious issues. Uh, Arizona's a team that's on the rise, in my opinion. I think they you know got some things going on. Alex Delchenyuk was a guy. You know, we finally got to see him uh, in action in uniform, and that that big win they got against Columbus the other night. 
uh, you know, they got a good goalie in Auntie Ranta, a guy who I think can really carry them, uh, you know, somewhere. But this is a, a game, this is, you know, probably going to be a lower scoring. I would look at maybe playing the under uh, in this game. And you only, we get a five and a half rare now. I mean, now, you know, six and six and a half is the norm. You know, Gabe, you talked about earlier uh, in the last segment about how the, the high scoring, but I don't, I don't see where we find a, a lot of high scoring here. We got some decent go- a decent goaltender battle here. I could see this even with five and a half being maybe a two to one, uh, three to two kind of game. Alex Smith uh, with us. All right, so before we, uh, we shut down the hockey, move on to the NFL game, and I will let you uh, go on your way here this evening. I'm intrigued by the NHL card uh, tonight. All this talk about the NHL. Yep. Seems some spots uh, that, that we like. Uh, so you mentioned um, you mentioned Philadelphia being an over machine in the first period. And I'm seeing here first period. Uh, what's the total here? First period. Is it, uh, let's see, first period line, first period. Boston, Philadelphia, fell one and a half. One and a half. So what, you think mm-hmm. we can get yeah. to two goals in this period? Yeah, one and a I half in the first get, period. Yeah. Philadelphia, Boston. Yeah, I definitely think we see that. I mean, that's that's one of the, the the best spots for the first period. But obviously, there's another team too. If you look at the Columbus Blue Jackets, they're seven and one in that same situation. First period over. So that that's there's a couple of, uh, of good matchups for first period overs. I think we think we see two goals, if not more, with Philly, Boston, and also Columbus and St. Louis. Nice, and I like where uh, you're going with the press. Like, uh, sorry, uh, Columbus. You no, feel go, like go ahead. Bounce back tonight. Uh, back to back four and one losses. Uh, they, but but St. Louis won both meetings against them last year. Yeah, I do. I, I do expect Columbus to bounce back tonight. Here, I mean, this St. Louis team uh, has been absolutely abysmal. They they get their offense together, but they're having struggles on defense. And they tighten down on defense. The offense isn't working. And this is this is a classic case of of, of something I, we've seen before. Me, like I said, living here in Minnesota, I've I've seen this story a couple times over with Mike Yo. Mike Yo is the kind of guy who he wants to be defensive minded first. He's kind of a, a old school theory guy. But whenever his team starts to lag defensively, he gets really frustrated, starts wearing on them heavy, and then they start doing everything wrong. Uh, and that seems to be the case right now for the St. Louis team. only has two wins on, on the year. Uh, Columbus, yeah, they're showing some growing pains. Bobrovsky's another guy, kind of like I mentioned with Quick, a guy who's seen a lot of work in that and, and it has been kind of rusty. You look at his advanced metric numbers, uh, you know, he's just not simply not playing as well as he's can. That's why Jonas Corposalo is going to be in that. He's won his first two starts. Uh, so, you know, Columbus is the side I'd be looking at here. St. Louis has a lot of, of issues. They got to get worked out. I trust Columbus a little bit more, especially in the plus, plus price. Um, so I'm going to, I'm going to take Nashville here tonight. I don't like, I don't like, uh, I don't like fading the home team. And I am impressed that the Devils are taking bets at their games, or at least they will be. I'm not sure when we're going to get yep. look into that, when the Will Hill book's going to open up in there. But as you mentioned, the Devils, they've lost the last couple of games, are banged up. Nashville are a good road team. It's interesting, Nashville actually opened up the season, I think, uh, here in New York against the Rangers. So it's interesting yep, that they're right. back in, in the area again, but they just, didn't, they didn't just play the Devils last time. They were here, and they won that game uh, last time they were in the area. I'm leaning uh, with the Preds uh, there, and... You know, for some reason, the Buffalo Sabres are calling my name tonight here, Alex, at minus 130. But I don't like teams back home after the road trip. And, you know, you see that, Scott, even in baseball, right? Successful road trip, team comes back home, first home game they lose. You, know, you see it in baseball, you see it in hockey, you see it in the NBA. Leagues that teams go on the road for a sustained amount of time. When they come back home, they always seem to lose that first game back home for some reason. Yeah, it's just, yeah. Uh, no, I, I agree. Oh, yeah. Weird trend like that, yeah. 
It is. I guess you didn't get back home, taking care of business, girlfriends, wives, problems, kids, bills, uh, lawyer fees, and everything else that, that athletes uh, m- might might have to deal with. All right, Alex, so before we get you out of here, we got an NFL football game tonight. And to me, it's one of these games where if it was on Sunday, my interest level probably wouldn't be overly high about it. You know, I wouldn't see if there was a good spot for it, but it's a strange game. Houston don't cover point spreads. Bill O'Brien has managed to handcuff Deshaun Watson and and DeAndre Hopkins. And, you know, they've only scored more than 20 points uh, twice in seven games uh, this year. We saw Buffalo go in there and hang around getting 10 points, and they should have won the football game outright. But, of course, Nate Peterman uh, played like Nate Peterman at the end of that game. When he came in for Allen, if Allen doesn't get hurt, the Buffalo Bills probably win that football game. But Miami, you can tell they're going in the wrong direction right now. They've got a ton of injuries, the Miami Dolphins do. It's a strange game. What do you make of this one? Do you have an opinion on this one tonight? Uh, you know, the, the only thing I would kind of look at, and like you said, you know, it's hard to kind of look at unders now in the NFL, but that's, that's where I, I feel this trending toward. I mean, I was looking at, at some notes and stuff on, on these two teams. Like I said, Houston, you know, they failed to cover in, in five straight games now. And you look at Thursday night, as far as Thursday night trends go, Miami, they have 0-3 straight up and against the spread on Thursday night. They've been outscored 98-14. to uh, you know, they've got injuries galore all over their life. I mean, it's a mass unit, basically, if you look at this, this injury report. The, the only way I would look if I had to play it uh, would be Houston. But thankfully, because there's so much great hockey, so much good college football, I don't have to play this game. So, uh, like I said, I probably won't even, won't even watch more than maybe a quarter of it just to get some notes and, and, and check things out. But uh, this is one of the you know, those bad Thursday night games we talked about. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah you're you know, an investor. You're not a degenerate. You're not just a degenerate gambler that's going to bet the game because it's on like so many people, like so many of our listeners. <laughs> yeah, no, I probably, mean, like I said, probably like myself. <laughs> I mean, there's a handful of, like I said, we got a great, great college uh, football slate, which is rare. Usually they have two or three games. You know, you got five games to choose from there. Great slate of hockey, and even some good NBA matchups as well. Yeah, this is a, a pass as far as the NFL is concerned in my eyes. Yeah, doesn't it seem like tonight that uh, the Denver Nuggets are a good spot here against the Lakers? Lakers got their first win last night, but their guys are still suspended. And LeBron yeah. James isn't getting any younger. Um, you know, you knew they, they had to win that game last night. Uh, you know, otherwise, yeah. the panic buttons would, would have been ugly coming in home tonight in a game that they're probably going to lose. And no one's going to feel sorry for the Lakers. That, oh, the Lakers this, Lakers that, and, oh, they don't have guys or whatever. It's LeBron James. So, you know, they, there's a bigger target. Like, in past years, maybe you can get, you know, teams would take the Lakers for granted and, you know, hey, we're playing the Lakers, the Lakers blow. But now you're going to focus Denver team tonight. I think the Denver Nuggets are the play tonight, Alex. I do, too. I mean, it's hard to just look at when you see a LeBron-led team catching two and a half, you think, wow, okay, you know, LeBron's the kind of guy who can kind of pick up a team by himself and, and carry them to the finish line. But you look at this Denver team, I'm, I'm looking back at some of the trends. Denver's ten and one straight up going back toward the end of last year. Uh, undefeated so far uh, this this season. They you know hung around and, and beat a good Golden State team. Uh, you know blew out Phoenix, blew out Sacramento the other night. This is a, a, a Denver team that we really need to be keeping an eye on. And even in the series uh, with the Lakers, they've covered six of the last ten meetings. So, uh, like I said, you know Lakers. You know, you make big moves in the NBA, but you have to take some time to for everything to fill out, gel out. The fact that you missing two starters with Rondo and Ingram, uh, that just only you know slows down that cohesive uh, process. So yeah, Denver, you're laying a, a, a price. 
you know, on the road, but I think the Nuggets should be able to, to hang around, take care of business tonight. You talk about yeah, the cohesive process. Well. I guess, I guess it's the reverse in Cleveland. You know, without without LeBron, is uh, they haven't been able to gel. I'll be nice here, and they they're all in four. You know, the Pistons are laying nine and a half tonight. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, well, yeah. Look at, I mean, look at this uh, this Detroit team is actually, you know, the thing I would look at more of the the positive side of, of things. The way that they're playing right now. Uh, has been really good. They've got some some good players. They got some great players on off the bench as well. Uh, and like I said, but Cleveland, you know, yeah, it's just kind of. I mean, they're missing everybody. You know, Kevin Love's going to miss this game. Uh, obviously, the you know LeBron leaving factor. It seems like it's hit uh, you know even harder than it did that first time around when when LeBron left and went to Miami. Uh, you know, it, it's going to take them a while to to adjust. But uh, Detroit is just a team that's looking really sharp. We're able to squeak out the that that overtime win. You had uh, Griffin scoring a career high fifty points. So obviously he's a guy who can you know uh, kind of carry things. Wants to show and prove that he's one of the you know elite stars in the game. Not a guy that's been overlooked since he left uh, with the Clippers. So Detroit, you're laying quite a bit of a price. You know nine and a half here, but I think they should be able to take care of it to cover the spread there. Alex Smith. Uh, you can find him on the Ice Guys on SportsbookReview.com where he talks hockey mm-hmm. uh, with the crew. And, of, uh, of course, you can find him on his website. Once again, let people know the website and where they can contact you uh, to get all your analysis and selections. Yeah, AXSmithSports.com. Like I said, we got everything hockey, hoops, football going on. And then follow me on Twitter at AXSmithSports. He goes deep much right. better than the, uh, the, the Alex Smith quarterback. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no check downs here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and if you saw... If you if you see you see a picture, look at his, his Twitter page. Yeah, he doesn't look like Alex Smith, the quarterback either. Although, <laughs> slightly different. I'm sure. That, yeah, the the confusion. I'm sure you know it happens quite often. Oh yeah, you should yeah, almost dollar for every time. <laughs> yeah, it should almost be great if your website you just put a picture up of Alex Smith too. <laughs> <laughs> well, I always do the retweets every time there's, there's negative retweets about Alex Smith during a, a NFL Sunday. I usually retweet them, and, and people will kind of be like, "Wait, that wasn't him that actually retweeted it, was it?" <laughs> Yeah, you know that's good, and yeah, it's not not a bad way. People, you'll catch people's eye. I don't know, guys. It's like the I don't know if you've ever seen, but John Jones, you know the fighter. He doesn't have the John Jones name on Twitter. There's actually a guy, and they right. spell it J O N, so it's kind of rare. And yeah, the John Jones guy gets hate mail and hate tweets like every day. <laughs> and he he made a career out of it. He started pipping his business, and he became a mini celebrity. Did you know that you can listen to this show live on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network? Listen on the iHeartRadio app, the TuneIn Radio app, or download the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network is the only totally free, 24-7, 365 Fantasy Sports Network of its kind without a subscription. Check out YouTube Live on the Fantasy Sports Network YouTube page and participate in the program in there where you can ask questions, discuss the topics with other fantasy enthusiasts, or tell everyone that you disagree. Call into your favorite show and ask your question. The number is 844-84-FNTSY. That's 844-843-6879. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network, your free fantasy source, 24 hours a day. There you go. People can't complain. Old school Black Sabbath. Back to live action. Fathers of heavy metal. Yeah. Uh, 
back to Alex Smith, man. Alex pretty good. Eh? Uh, Angle man, guy can bang off any sport. You ask him about any game, he can go. Yeah, you know, we got uh, deep into hockey there as well. Uh, you know, so we, uh, we, we, we did Cam Proud, didn't we? Yeah, no, exactly. And, you know, Cam, Cam had a nice night betting hockey last night, and Cam would be excited about being able to bet at a Devils game. So the NHL is the first one out of the gate to do this. Um, I could be, I could stand corrected though. I don't. Will Hill has a sponsorship deal with the Las Vegas Golden Knights because I read that it's the second sponsorship deal that Will Hill has signed with a professional sports team. Now, of course, MGM has signed a deal uh, with the NBA. So I'm curious to see how long it is before we have betting uh, betting uh, windows at NBA games. Which, as a gambler, I'm for. But it's going to bring a different dynamic to this. And we've seen this before, uh, Scott, where, you know, when a team scores 100 points at home, you get a free taco or you get, you get a free slice of pizza or whatever. And, you know, the gimmicks uh, that these that teams have at sporting events. And people get genuinely angry. I mean, you know, people are booing the home team. I mean, you know, I remember LeBron once didn't take a shot. They were at 99. And, he, you know, people were upset because after he goes, why do people care about a free taco so much? And it opened it up to, wow, you know, we don't all make $100 million and blah, 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 blah. So I've seen it. I've been at games where people have been mad. Hell, I've been mad before when I've been broke. And, uh, you know, you get a free uh, slice of pizza. (laughs) If the Raptors score 110 points and they get to 109, you're like, son of a bitch. So I find it interesting what's going to happen when some player misses a free throw and people have money on the game. People already have money on the game. But now you're really encouraging just sort of a casual fan to bet on the game because you're going to have a window there in in the arena. You as someone that doesn't really bet on sports like this, what do you think about it? Uh, You know, I I think it's, well, first off, you talk about what kind of element is it going to involve, you know, Hopefully there isn't like, you know, the guys who used to hang around off-track betting with like the old members-only jackets and their cigarettes and their racing forms. But I, I, don't, th- I don't think that's <laughs> no, that, going to happen. No, that's what it's like over at the Meadowlands. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. I, I, don't, I don't think that's, that's necessarily going to happen. But, you know, I think it's just it's another, it's another way of making revenue. And, you know, the leagues are finally, uh, you know, opening the doors to this. Uh, you see it in the NFL and the NBA as well, like, you know, the first step was having fantasy lounges in the, uh, you know, in in the in the stadiums and the arenas like the Jaguars and some of the NBA teams. So this is this is just the next. I didn't know step they had up. that. So what do they, they have? What? So yeah. it's a lounge with computers, and you can so you go to the yeah, game you and you can set your fantasy lineups like an hour full game, so you're not out of touch. Because you talk to a lot of people, and I say you go to NFL games, you go to a lot of Jet games or Giant games. Everyone says the same thing. Nah, I go maybe on the Thursday nights or Monday nights, and that's when I went on a Thursday night. He said, because I got too much fantasy stuff, or I got too much betting stuff going on. People don't want to be away from all the games and their computer on a Sunday, for the most part. Yeah, they don't. Uh, you know, that's, I try to make one NFL game a year just because I love live professional football. Like you said, uh, and that, that was the... the that was what you know. One of the things that makes me laugh about how it takes two hours to get to the stadium from like the train station or your car, <laughs> but uh, you know. But you know, as far as like watching one game, it's tough. But like if you go to these stadiums, like the Jaguars, 
you could go to the game, but then sit in the lounge and watch Sunday Ticket. You know, go on, go online, etc. So it's an experience because you know maybe 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 you're bringing a member of your family and they don't want to go to the, the game, but they want to follow their fantasy team. There's somewhere for them to hang out, and if you want to bet, it it makes people gives them more reason to come to the stadium rather than just yeah. hanging out in the sports book. Yeah, the. Um... I'm going to look up right now. The tickets the are so expensive. Rams. you got to give people more for their money. The the Rams' new stadium that they're building, it's, you know, going to be the, the, the stadium of all stadiums. The future of stadiums has arrived uh, type of deal. And I saw the layout, and it actually was super cool. It, it pretty much is the, it's the, um, it's the future. Like, basically, like, on the sidelines, sort of like, you know, like, behind home plate at Dodger Stadium, you have the built-in seats, sort of like people, so behind home plate, it's not, it's not stands, it's sort of built underground, and, you know, right behind home plate, so it puts the fans really, really close to the action. Like, you're basically on the field, and that's what they're doing at this new L.A. Ram Stadium. There's going to be bars, Scott, on the, on the sidelines. And in the end zone and stuff. So you're basically going to be standing in like a lounge or sitting in a lounge on the sideline. Like the players will be in front of you, but you're going to be a little elevated. So you'll be able to see the field. You're going to be extremely close. You know, it's crazy. Like L.A. for celebrities and stuff, they're going to have like a an entrance where you drive right into the stadium type of deal. <laughs> like you drive into the field and your car gets elevated on some lift. It's over the top, but... I believe they're going to have iPads in every seat. I think you know, there's that going like to become. This is going to become the modern version of the Forum Club. You know, the Forum Club yes, was yes, the place yes. with the Lakers that everybody wanted to get into. It was exclusive and VIP. And this is what the Rams are trying to do here because obviously, you know, they're the darlings of LA. You know, but the Chargers it already appears that they should have stayed in San Diego or should. Move back there. This will make this a VIP, exclusive, glamorous experience. Nearly three billion dollars for the stadium. Two point six billion dollars. Yeah, it's gonna be the most expensive modern stadium, the Olympic Stadium in Montreal. Actually, I'm looking for sort of the cool things. I mean, they got over the top stuff and lounges and oh yeah, they're gonna have like uh, they're showing here like a mega sports bar in in the in the stadium. They have a 6,000-seat special theater in the stadium. They want to host the Academy Awards there. But I remember them talking when they were going, and they brought it up. Is there a gentleman's about how, Yeah, well, that's all that's missing. There will be in the area. Yeah. It's Inglewood. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but they, they, were bring, <laughs> they, they were bringing it up. I remember the Rams owner saying, you know, if NFL fans, they want, they want to be connected to other games. We understand that. Because, you know, I hate that, the old-school thought process of we're not even going to show the scores. You know, you're, you're in a Buffalo Bill game. Like, the Bills used to put scores up. Like, they'd read the scores once a quarter. It's pretty lame. Like, you know what I mean? Like, now they have, like, a scoreboard. But that was the deal at Bills games before. Like, at the end of the quarter, they'd read the out-of-town scoreboard. And yeah. I remember the Rams and the Cronkies, they're basically saying, uh, you know, we understand the future. I believe they're going to have iPads. So there's going to be, like, computers. Like, you know, like at McDonald's now and some McDonald's, you sit down at the table and you can read, like, the newspaper on the table. Like, the table is an interactive computer, essentially. So you're looking down, eating your, your Happy Meal, but you can just sort of push news. 
And then, boom, you read it, like, through the glass table type thing. So, like, the old video games, like the sit-down video games. Yeah. So, I think the Rams were saying the same thing. They're going to have, like, computers or, like, iPad type things in the seat in front of you. So, like, on the back of each seat. So, when you're at the Ram game, you can log in and update your fantasy team, you know, get a bet in, you know, check your email. You know what I mean? I guess, like you said, I mean... Yeah, in today's day and age, you got to offer people everything. Otherwise, people aren't going to go. Yeah, and if it becomes like the forum club, you know, it's, it, you know, it, it might turn out to be a little bit salacious too. Yeah, you know, well, it's it's Hollywood, but it could be a little too much salacious. Let's not forget the Rams are the first team to have male cheerleaders as well. So they're 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 um, they're, they're covering all their bases. Yet I tell you what, Scott. For the personal seat licenses are like $280,000 or something like that. You know, you should get a night with a porn star with a ticket. Yeah, that, that should be like the deal. <laughs> you got a seat on the 40-yard line, and you got a date with, uh, with Kiera, Kiera Maria, whoever the chick's name is, that, that uh, Kiera, <laughs> Kiera Maria, Mia, that uh, the Jimmy G went out with. And maybe, you know, is, is that the curse? Did she curse him? Well, you know, him getting hurt, was it bad luck dating a porn star? <laughs> No, I think Chris Ventra cursed him, you know, just talking about him. Yeah, Ventra. Well, you know, he had a girlfriend, actually, or he just broke up. Not Ventra, but uh, uh, that's another story. Uh, Jimmy G. <laughs> so, yeah, your girlfriend wasn't too, uh, oh, my God, I'm seeing here. Rams' new stadium is going to top $4 billion, actually. Wow. Wow. Yeah, and it's, All right, uh, here, hopefully, uh, hopefully, hopefully it raises up the area around it, you know, and uh, – you know, feeds into jobs and stuff like that. You know, up, no, up it never the does. Community. Nah, it's the I'm saying I hope. I'm ever. saying I hope. You know, I it's know. like you go you go around Yankee Yankee Stadium, and it's obvious. You know that the teams like that have really don't have a ton of interest in the community. Although the Yankees do some really no. nice things with their Hope Week, though. Didn't they? But did the Yankees? I remember from like the old Yankee Stadium. I remember they built a park across the street, or they fixed the the diamonds in the area that were all beat up. Yeah, they did do that. Yeah, yeah. But like you said, I've seen it firsthand too, where you get these stadiums that the teams enrich themselves. If a neighborhood, you know, it's it's sometimes it destroys two neighborhoods at once. Actually, you know, I mean, look, the LA Sports Arena and stuff where the the Raiders and USC are playing. Or the Rams are playing. Been there for years. Does it help the air? All right. So, so here's the here's the the cool amenities here that they have at the stadium. Fifteen cool things about the Rams' new stadium. All right. Um, all right. It's going to have air conditioning. Obviously, seventy thousand seat open air stadium, expandable to a hundred thousand seats. Uh, it's destined to be That's home of the twenty twenty eight Olympics, future Super Bowls, college football national championship, Final Four X Games. Blah 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 blah. Set to open in twenty twenty. All right, uh, the Cronkies are putting in $1.6 billion into it, and, and uh, taxpayers are, what are they Cronkies, doing? Cronkies, uh, that sounds like a cartoon or a sitcom. Yeah, they have the, uh, they own Walmart. You know, they got money. They're going to just going to be two. I was not aware of that. Yeah, yeah, they own Walmart. 260 by 72 feet video screens. All right. How big are the uh, video screens they have in, in Dallas? It's like I can already hear that's, Corey that's, saying. No, that's what we they had have the first big video they, screens. Yeah, they have 260 by 72, yet L.A. will boast an oval-shaped 
dual-side Oculus video board with over 60,000 linear feet of digital display. Dear God. Wow. 60,000 feet. So, so, wow. So when the Cardinals come to town, you can see them bungle like in a, you know, the stadium and facility, Scott, is going to be three and a half times the size of Disneyland. Retail space, restaurant, 6,000-seat performance venue attached to the stadium. Five-star hotel. How long is it going to take to walk through the thing. parking lot, Gabe? Oh, God. Walking to Met Life parking lot's a pain in the ass. Uh, here you go. You're right. Whether it's fantasy football or following every game, uh, they have a 52-screen lounge sports bar. All right. Oh, yeah, they're going to be uh, personal suites. All right, uh, what else do they have here? I wanted to get to, uh, oh, there's going to be patios, sushi bars. Holy Sounds all like a little much they, to take in on just one game day. No, it is. And like I said earlier, I was going to say is, who wants a five-star hotel at a football game? Like, they're basically saying we don't want the drunk football fan coming here. Like how many how many average football fans can afford a five star hotel in Los Angeles, California? You know what your five star hotel down there is? That's like you know eight hundred bucks or something. Yeah, the average the Seems average like they're going can to afford that though. It's they're trying to play to the affluent people, but you know I'm sure at some point the marketing team will say, oh, you know we have these discounts for the regular fan. Yeah, did you see? Did you have you have you been out to the stadium this year to MetLife? Have you seen like them building that Super Bowl type thing next to the stadium? I've been to MetLife, but I didn't I didn't notice them uh, you know building a, a Super Bowl there. Uh, you know, to yeah, me, you know, yeah, like, so whenever same... I see it, it looks it looks very very unappealing, especially from the outside. It's 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 very generic. It just uh, like strikes me like I'm you know it's like it's industrial almost. What the MetLife Stadium? Yeah, it's got no personality to it. No, no, no. From the, from the outside, it looks like a uh, it looks Not like a parking garage. Like a, yeah, yeah. Inside exactly. is more impressive, I find. But from the outside, yeah, it just looks like one big sort of you know parking garage type metal structure. But no, next door, the same people that build the Mall of America in Minneapolis. I think this is going to be the second biggest mall in America. Which I don't know. It's just kind of strange. There's nothing there. There's no one around there. It's in the middle of nowhere. It's, it just seems like a strange place to build this, but they think it's going to... It'll become a destination, though. There's that. nothing there. It'll give people a reason to go there if it's going to become the second biggest mall in, you know, in, in the country. I mean, I've been to the Mall of America. It's like I could barely get through one floor in a day. It's like it, it's ridiculous and it's glorious all at the same time, but this will make it a destination. <laughs> you know, it's like if certain families want to, you know, go with each other, say, okay, you know, uh, like say you're going with uh, like you and your wife are going with his brother and, and, and his wife, you know, they're spending the weekend together, but you're football fans and they're not, you know, they could say, okay, you know what, we're going to hang out at the mall when you're at the game. And yeah, yeah, Jeff. exactly. It's a good point. They're going to have like a ski hill, water slides. It's like a mega, mega theme park mall. What so is that exactly open right. at life? Um, supposedly like in the spring or something, but they're working fast. Like it's, you go past it, like in the last couple of months, it's, it's greatly, every time and I go to the sports book a lot, and it's, it's getting up there. Let's see, uh, Super Mall. It's a good. It's a good point. It'll give you know. One cool thing is 
supposedly they're going to have the trains there going all the time, at least. So it'll make life easier getting to the sports book uh, as well, because that's the problem getting out there. Like the Meadowlands is not an easy place to get to. No, it's 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 not. You know, and like when I when I was growing up, you know, I really didn't watch football. I just said I was a Jet fan because I lived in Flushing, but it, I really wasn't much of a football fan. I liked Namath and all of that. And then when I started, you know, seriously rooting for football, I said, I don't have to go to another state to see my home team. It's, you know, that they're not really my home team. It's so you know, I'll just pick something else. You know, I don't I don't consider the Jets or the Giants me personally New York teams. I got to leave the state and, you know, schlep to you know, make this long schlep to you know another you know, go 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 to New Jersey. How it's, cool it's, would it uh, have been if the Jets built that stadium on Thirty Fourth Street? Like I see the that, building, that, I'm looking that at it right different. now. You know that 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 would have been different. I think that's what they should have done. I think uh, you know, but that's just my personal opinion. I felt like there were other places, you know, like on Long Island, et cetera, and maybe even near City Field. You know, maybe they could have put something in the the Flushing Meadows area and get back to their roots, but. You know, just, yeah, but how it just cool would it have been? Like when, when, I, li- when I leave, this, the when I leave State New York, right behind it. Yeah, when I leave New York. It's it's a different vibe just going to Jersey. You can only feel it like if you grew up here. And just because I can see the city from there, if it's close, doesn't mean yeah. it's New York. Yeah, I, I hear I hear what you're saying. See, I was saying uh, March 2019, the five billion dollar project, the American Dream Meadowlands. Uh, the Mall of America, man, yeah, it's over the top. Amusement park, aquarium, mall, ski hill, massive retail facility, and the world's biggest, largest kosher food court. <laughs> they got it all. Game time decisions continues.